it's on your mind, just get her done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as I start thinking about things, I start actioning them as fast as I can because I don't want to forget about doing things too, right? So, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> so you're in Vancouver. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Vancouver. I'm in um, South Surrey, White Rock. It's a suburb oh, yes. of, uh, yeah, just out, about a half an hour outside of the Vancouver area. Nice. You know, it's funny because uh, anybody that's not from BC will just say that. Oh, Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it's easier, right? Because most people, I mean, it's hard for people to get here, especially from out east, right? So most people don't know the, the areas and that. So yeah. it's just easier to say Vancouver. No, for sure. Well, thanks for this. And uh, man, amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, really, it's been four or five years in the making. Yeah. Um, and, and now I'm just ready to kind of take it to that next stage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What what made you say like okay, it's time to take this thing to the next level? Was it uh, just timing of life? Yeah, timing of life. Well, I was dealing with my own mental health issues, right? And um, I was over the last two years have been pretty. I've been struggling quite a bit um, with my own mental health, and I've had issues pretty much most of my life as as it relates to anxiety and and, and depression. But um, they really got exasperated over the <laughs> pandemic and yeah and then during that time I I didn't even really think I had any issues um I coped using alcohol a lot yeah. as younger but um the pandemic really forced me to unplug and and reflect on where I was and um I wasn't happy with it <laughs> so I wanted to start making some changes in my life yeah and um that's kind of what started the process wanting to make changes for myself to get better and then through that process i came to running and thought well if i'm helping myself then maybe i can help other people at the same time did you quit drinking at that time or tone it down a bit um yeah so now for me um i don't really drink much at all i haven't really had like i'm not i wouldn't call myself an alcoholic but i, I you know binge drink i would have I used to do that quite a bit like yeah. on weekends or, you know, when you go out or, or whatever. Right. But now it's gotten to the point where I actually don't even feel the desire to have a beverage. Like, cause I've, I've sorted out my mental health to the extent, at least, at least I think so, where I don't feel the need to have a drink and I've created more coping mechanisms right. um, in my life. So I don't need that coping mechanism. I've created more tools for myself. My little dog. He's uh, he's always staring at me with those beady eyes. Dad. <laughs> what kind of dog? He's a French bulldog. Nice French bulldog. How, how old? He's six. Yeah. He's a little guy right here. <laughs> what's up, buddy? Yeah. That's awesome. What's his name? Ari. Ari. I, what's up, Ari? Yeah, so That's I used awesome, to uh, watch a show called Entourage. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I named him yeah. after that Ari Gold, the the super agent. So yeah. Yes. So is 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 your is your Ari very aggressive? <laughs> no, he's very. Uh, he's the opposite. Okay, he's a sweetheart. Enough, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, sometimes you need the sweethearts too, right? Absolutely. Yes. He's a gentle yeah, soul, and oftentimes, you know, um, animals uh, when they come into our lives, it's a blessing, isn't it? Or something, or somebody that comes in your life, it's uh, they're angels. I think so, man. I think, um, I'm, yeah, I think especially I can, I can relate to what you're saying there because um, over the last little while, because I've been doing a lot of self-exploration. So no, I'm just to, just to your point there, like how, how 
people or animals or things come into your life when sometimes you think you're ready for them or even when you don't think you're ready. Um, so like I've been on this journey of self-exploration over the last couple, three years. And, you know, now I'm at a stage where I'm, I would consider myself an entirely different person than I was three years ago, mm. both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And since that transformation, I've been seeing very people that probably wouldn't have come into my life before starting to come into my life and almost elevating what I'm trying to do and then helping along the process. So, um, yeah, I can, I, I, that resonated with me, yeah. what you just said there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the other thing is, you know, um, for me, especially because I just, I live alone. I have this little guy, you know, when you don't have responsibility, uh, you live life a little differently and on the edge, not for the better, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. the been drinking, um, that were, that was on weekends for me and then started creeping up into my weekdays and um you know the pandemic just spiraled that for me as well because right. it's like yeah we're all in this together let's just have fun right right who knows uh, where the future holds and just months before the pandemic hit my mom passed away oh man sorry yeah, it would mess with you right and it's right. like your pillar mom's mom for me and uh yeah i was lost mm, i can man I, that 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 resonates with me not that I lost a family member that close, but feeling that sense of um, being lost, not feeling grounded and, and um, feeling like I, I was going through a period of like disillusionment and not knowing what was the purpose of things. Why are we doing things? And I was, I was struggling also to find a, a, a meaning or a purpose other than, you know, working or, or, or a girlfriend or for a child, something that's more long lasting sense community. And I um, think over the last couple of years, when I was feeling alone and dark and uh, struggling quite a bit, I found salvation in community and connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And as much as I possibly could, I was trying to do that. Right. So, because I like, like yourself, I do live alone as well, right? And I live in a basement suite. So it's, it's not like I have like a, a lot of, you know, interactions kind of happening on a day-to-day -day basis, especially during the pandemic. So I had to create ways to get myself out of sort of the darkness and running was one of them. Connecting with other people was another way of doing it. And through that process, man, like I started finding out that we're way more similar than we are different. Yes. Like all of us are, all of us are connected in, in, there's an interconnectivity, man, that I'm starting to recognize personally. And I never used to really think that way. Um, and, you know, I never used to be that guy who used to, you know, um, paid attention to synchronicities and, and these different sort of connections that make, make us connect together. Yeah. But uh, as I'm in this journey now, I'm starting to keep an open mind and observing all these types of things. And they're all pointing me into the direction that I'm currently on, mm -hmm. which is um, a path of, community um selflessness in terms of trying to help others with skill sets that i have mm -hmm. and um and not chasing money but chasing um service yeah and you know when you do that you, you find peace enlightenment light you know these things mm -hmm. that once we always thought was so far away from us out of reach 
And mm. oftentimes we didn't even think of it that way, right? Like life in terms of, hey, I, I can feel what that person's feeling or compassion or empathy. Um, you know, oftentimes that's yeah. not the case until you figure out who you are. What, what was your life like prior to this um, engagement within yourself, this self-awareness? So, I mean, I was, uh, so let's, uh, I'm about 180 pounds right now. And I was sitting a few years ago, probably in and around 200, um, bodybuilder, fairly big guy. Um, I would, I would say my ego was a little bit, uh, larger than it should have been. Right. Um, like a, like a protection kind of mechanism, um, based on my childhood and, and how I grew up, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I wasn't inside internally. I was a good person. And um, but it didn't come out all the time in the right ways. And I was uh aggressive in certain like in 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 um in communication like this, it, you know, no big deal. But at any moment where I felt like uh, I wasn't being valued or I wasn't being heard or or my like I wasn't considered anything then i would it would, i would react i would snap right and i'd get angry or i'd feel a certain way yeah. and um i didn't understand what that was until i started working on myself mm -hmm. and i just thought oh i was just that guy who'd just be like oh f you screw you i'm just gonna yeah. do my own thing like i just thought that's who i was but i was in a trauma state for most of my life based on a lot of the things that happened throughout my life and um you know depression and anxiety start kicking in even further and then you start isolating yourself even more, even though that you know that it's not supposed to be the thing that you're supposed to do, but you do it anyways because you're in that depressive state. So it's it just all just kind of, mm -hmm. it was, that's what I was dealing with. That was just a bundle of emotions that hadn't been processed correctly. Yeah. And, and I think over the last two years, I've been trying to process those things over the last two years. And I've um, squared away a few things um, I'm not by any means perfect and uh, no, I'm for sure I'll make a billion other mistakes moving forward, but I've squared away enough things to where I feel now I can speak to my story. What was that point in your life where you said, I need to go within myself. This is not right. Cause oftentimes, you know, that's that mask. Like, yeah, we're good. That ego, it's that yeah. inner voice telling you, yeah, screw that person. Yeah. You're on the right path. You don't need to listen to that person. Well, I was forced to reflect because I was uh, going through a separation and a divorce, right? And I was the squeaky wheel in that marriage. I wasn't a, the greatest husband. I thought I was. Um, and, you know, I wasn't engaged in the manner that I should have been. Mm -hmm. I um, I didn't really even understand what it was like or what, I, what it should have been like to be in a relationship because I never really experienced good relationships throughout my life. So... I didn't even realize up until it just got smacked in the face. Hey, you, you're not that good of a person, or at least optically, that's what it presents as. And um, so I was like, okay, wait a second. I don't like this. I'm a good person and I don't want to come off like I am not one. And I want to do the right thing. So let me unplug here yeah. and figure out myself. And it was really like incremental steps. Like it wasn't like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. I know I have a plan now it's going to work out. No, it was just like, Holy shit. Where am I? Okay. Let me just kind of gather my bearings and just slowly step by step. Yeah. I, I did all the things, you know, I went to a psychologist, I got therapy. I, like I did the whole, whole thing. And, um, 
I ended up getting medicated. Like it was like a lot of stress that was kind of happening. So it, um, I was forced to reflect because of the divorce and yeah. everything else kind of happened through that. You know, man, it's it's crazy though because oftentimes we have to own our own bullshit. And uh, there's a point in life where it's like you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, yeah. Why is life happening this way? Why is there always problems in my life? Why do I always have to apologize? Why am I always um, ending up at square one or in a negative in life? Yeah. No, I, I, that's where I was, man. I was like, <laughs> it was like my entire life was a struggle, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why is it always? Why, why, why? And I was like, you know what? I have the opportunity now mm -hmm. to just let's sort it out, yeah. square it away, and let's go. Yeah. But what a beautiful time. You know, I, I talk about this a lot as there were people that were very upset of the pandemic and don't get me wrong. So was I just, so were you, but that was a beautiful moment to go within yourself um, because you're away from the rat race of life, work, chasing friends, chasing whatever. Uh, we were all forced to pause and figure out who are we? Are we happy being within our own skin alone? Like you said, at home, what are you doing? Now you're in your own thoughts. Are you okay? Or are you not okay? I I agree. I think if it weren't for the pandemic, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. To be honest, it forced me. It forced me to grind. And like, I mean, I work in law enforcement. And at the time of the pandemic, we were doing sort of rotations where we weren't in the workplace all the time. So we would go to work for a couple of weeks and then work from home for a couple of weeks. This was at the beginning of the pandemic where mm. um, we didn't really know what was happening. It was right. uncertain of how risky it was. So we would be at work for a couple of weeks and then I'd be sitting by myself for two weeks in my basement and then stewing the entire time because we couldn't go out. We couldn't do anything. No. So, you know, you're right. Um, the pandemic forced some people to, to reflect. And I think um, hopefully there have been enough people to do that during this time. Yes. I don't know if there, I don't know if there were, but. I can only speak for myself and I took that opportunity to go inward to to address some things that I think needed to be addressed right. and, and and since I've done those things I feel like I'm a better person for everyone around me and I can be a better service to people mm -hmm. with the skills that I have you know not even everybody around you are you okay feeling with like within your own skin looking at yourself in the mirror do you feel happier do you feel at peace I didn't have any substance or, or I didn't have any, um, if something would really knock me down, it would keep me down. Mm. It just looked yeah. like I was solid. But now that I've done the work um, and to answer the question about the peace, look, peace, I think is an ongoing thing of, for me to kind of try to figure out is I don't think I'll ever be old. We're at peace. And I don't know if, if I want to, I don't, I don't know. That's still a thing I have to think about, yeah. but, but in terms of, um, because there's a thing, right? When you're you're in, if you've lived your life in chaos, peace is scary. Right. It's it seems boring. It seems too quiet. Ugh, is everything okay? Because now you start getting worried. Why is everything going right in my life? This shouldn't be happening for me. It, so it's so funny you mention that, man. I feel like that almost every single day over the last two months because I've been kind of branching out a bit more, right? And all. The, a lot of positivity is starting to come my way um, that I never thought would ever happen. And um, it's very humbling. And, and for me, I'm still trying to understand how to receive it because I've never, like I've never been good at receiving um, 
positive feedback or, or like compliments or, or things like that. Right. And I suspect over the next couple of years with the journey that I'm on, it's going to, I mean, brother, it's going to, it's going to be epic. Look, I'll be the first person of color running across this country. Um, when I was a kid, I always looked at Terry Fox, right? Yes. Amazing. Like, what a story. Amazing story. April 12, 1980, kicks off one leg, trying to do this marathon of hope. And that's what I'm trying to encapsulate. I'm trying to capture that. I'm trying to do the exact same thing for mental health. And um, this is just the beginning of that journey. But I think, you know, that's a possibility because I think we um, this country is divided to a certain degree. And I'm, I don't like getting into the politics and this, that, the other, whatever. Right. For me, I, I like to see positivity and I like to see people coming together. And I feel like the country is really waiting for something that would really galvanize everyone together. And I would hope that what I'm trying to do over the next couple of years um, can be one piece of that galvanization mm. is what I'm trying to do. Does that make sense? Oh, it does make sense. And you know, the, the thing with this is I will say mental health and that conversation needs to be an open dialogue. You know, oftentimes people are scared to talk about mental health because fear of judgment. What will my employer think? What will my spouse or partner think and, or friends? Mm. And you know, it's one of those things now that, if you don't deal with it, if you don't talk about it, we know the outcome. Mm-hmm. We, your actions will speak and that will mess up things uh, greater than you will ever have just that, hey, I'm not okay. You know? No, for sure. And like to that point about speaking about it and um, look, I'm part of the Indo-Canadian community. Now, um, so where were you born? Were you born in I, Toronto? I was born in London, Ontario. Oh, no, Ontario. Okay. And mom and dad are from? My my parents are from India. They were born in India, Punjabi. Okay. And so my uh, my mom left in India when she was about eleven, and she she moved to England with her family. Right. And then uh, my dad he left India when he was eighteen or nineteen, went to England uh, to go to university. So um, I also have those experiences yeah. and that sort of perspective. Like my dad, like he's eighty. Well, actually, today's my dad's birthday. Oh. So uh, he, happy he, birthday he, yeah. <laughs> to your dad. Yeah. So he's like 79 or 80 now. And he left India um, 60 years ago. My goodness. 61 years ago. So now as a person who likes to be compassionate now and like yeah. uh, he tries to be as empathetic as possible, I'm trying to put myself into my dad's shoes 60 years ago, what that would have been like for a person like that going to a country that probably wasn't really receptive to him. Mm-hmm. And still grinded, went to school during the day, working in a factory at night, got a master's degree eventually, and all the all the things associated to it. Um, but he also had his own traumas based on all those things, right? Yeah. And and what he's experienced, and also generational trauma being in Punjab. I'm not sure if you're aware of the history, but Punjab history is is wrought with war and and yes. battle, right? So um, so there's generational trauma there. So there's no surprise that my dad probably imparted some of that trauma onto both my brother and myself because he didn't know any better. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I think through experiences and the conversations that we're having now, um, I think it's incumbent upon people such as myself who are part of the Indo-Canadian community to speak loudly about it because we don't, we don't talk about it at all. Because that is a sign of weakness, isn't it? It's like um, disgrace to the family. Mm. I, absolutely. Look, I, I was just speaking on a podcast a couple of weeks ago about this particular issue. 
where I was a kid, just a kid, yeah. like maybe six years old or something. My brother's three years older than me, right? And I, you know, we, I think we all have, like my brother and myself have some level of anxiety, I think, based on some of the um, way we manifest them. But uh, my brother, as it would, and still to this day, taps his toe a lot. Like, just fucking taps it. Boom, 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 boom. And I used to be, like, I'm very fidgety now, but back then, my dad ripped my brother a new one when he saw him fidgeting like that. And he said, don't do that. What are you doing? It shows weakness. I just heard my dad say it, and I stopped all fidgeting for the rest of my life. I didn't fidget ever, right? So now what does that do to somebody? Like, just that one piece. Well, for me... I had that manifested and I only realized it now is that I controlled everything and it exhausted me every single day that every fidget, every movement was controlled. And uh, when I would have meetings at the workplace or meeting with management or these types of things, I'd be super composed, everything, but it'd be exhausted by the end of the day. And I'm like, I'm so fit. I don't get it. What's going on. But the reality is this, I used to control all those things and now I don't. So I feel like so when you see me i move around my hands i, I don't quite look uh, so what would it have been like before so if we're sitting here what would it have been like if you're i would have been sitting here just straight looking at you the whole time okay so less yeah. less expressive less yeah. emotional yeah less emotional more uh, more of a wall up right guarded um, more guarded less vulnerable um i'm more, way more vulnerable now like way more like the story i just shared about my dad i probably i wouldn't I, like I, i've just started sharing that mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things that I've, I've experienced in my life that I, i've been on multiple podcasts been about 15 20 but I've, i haven't shared a ton of stuff how did you find this podcast i i i started just searching for podcasts yeah. because i wanted to get my story out and wanted to share the story and um because i'm on a path right now over the next two years it's the training piece for me is isn't the hard part because I know how to train and I, I have all the, the team together that's kind of helping me there. What I'm trying to do now is trying to ha- figure out how to do what Terry Fox did 40 years ago. For mental that's, health. Yes. So I'm trying to figure out how to effect permanent positive change. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Permanent is across, the key. Yeah. And then run, exactly. And running across Canada in 2025 to raise awareness and break the record for the fastest run across Canada is just a means of me doing it. The running across Canada and breaking a record. I, I mean, it doesn't, I'm just doing that because, um, well, it's part of the marketing and the branding that will get the attention and garner the attention that's needed. Yes, of course. to get that. That's, that's the reason why I'm doing it. I I mean, I, I, I'm a jujitsu athlete. I could have done jujitsu, but no one cares. <laughs> I, I'm a bodybuilder, but no one gives a crap. So everyone understands running. Everyone can, can relate to running. Everyone understands how difficult running is. And Terry Fox did it 40 years ago. And that's the epitome of affecting permanent positive change because he's been dead for 40 years and he's already raised a billion dollars for cancer research. That's what I'm trying to figure out how to do. And and the, the reality is with the help of many people around you know, being able to speak on various different podcasts, sharing the story, it'll happen. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's inevitable because I think we're, I think we're starving for something like this. Oh, yes. And the other thing is, you know, I always talk about Bell Let's Talk Day. We have that mm-hmm. one day where everyone will say, hey, if you need help, reach out, which is great. Mm-hmm. But that's only one day we're talking about it because the rest of the time everyone's silent, suffering in silence. 
Absolutely. You know how bad it is? I'll, I've got a few statistics just as it relates to law enforcement and first responders, uh, veterans and military personnel. Right. So um, just that one demographic, uh, veterans in the United States, every single day, 22 veterans commit suicide every single day. Now, that's not even law enforcement. Now, if you were to combine law enforcement, veterans, and North America-wide, you're looking at a lot of people every single day committing suicide. Now, law enforcement officers in, in Canada, um, you don't hear a lot about law enforcement officers being shot in the line of duty, although it does happen. It's not as prevalent as the United States. The issues we have in Canada are related to mental health in law enforcement. The suicide rate's still very high here. And um, because of the traumas that are experienced by law enforcement officers um, or what they've witnessed throughout their entire careers, it builds, right? And, 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 and I would love to also be able to give a voice to that piece because I think right. a lot of people in Canada don't really understand that plight. And actually, I don't think anyone does because every time I've spoken on this, most people don't realize that, that that's a major issue and a major problem. Sure. What, do you, what do you think it is when it comes to law enforcement, um, especially officers or first responders, um, paramedics, mm -hmm. anybody, yeah. Yeah. you know, you're right. The mental health is at strain here. Uh, what are the reasons? Is it because they're seeing too much? They don't, there's no outlet for them. So I think there's probably a combination of things. I can't speak to all the different organizations. For sure. They all have their own various different um, issues related yeah. to them. But um, what I probably, what I can see that's um, across the board is the support systems in the workplace are they are there but they're not as um robust as they should be right number one number two i think the infrastructure set up for a lot of law enforcement officers isn't there for the support as well so like i.e your management or your colleagues don't really understand how to interact with you um for example i've been in law enforcement for 18 years and through my struggles right or wrong um most of my friends of 18 years are not there anymore not because they hate or whatever just don't understand how to interact with me anymore or don't want to put the effort in in trying to understand what's going on so um i think that's another issue and then i think just the nature of the world we're in a lot of people don't or at least my perception is that most people don't seem to care about law enforcement that much anymore um, because of a lot of what's happening in the media and, and what's mm -hmm. getting portrayed. So, but uh, oftentimes wanna... people forget that, you know, there's a reason law and order is there. And, um, you know, you guys put your lives out for our safety so we can sleep at night. Same with the veterans, same with any individual that's been there for us. So, you know, the lack of is hard. It's hard for me and uh, wrapping my head around it because I do have a lot of friends in law enforcement and um yeah it's it, what they see um putting their lives at risk you know families at home mm -hmm. well it's it's, it's also i, I want to add to that too because like, like if we say um putting their lives at risk and, and in some circumstances they do but i also don't want to um make us that different than everyone else yeah right? but we're you're human we're human Cause, right because when i'm with my friends that are police officers they're my friends i don't yes Right, we're joking around and living our lives. Yeah, but yeah, to that point. So 
so that I, I want to humanize it too as well right because yeah yeah we do some some put their lives on the line based on specifically what their their actual job duties are for sure but we also are are, are seeing things that most people shouldn't see right and when you go to a call let's say a paramedic goes to a call I mean, how many calls do they go in a day that they've probably seen something that would probably traumatize 90% of the people? Every, oh, almost yes. every day, almost every oh, single day, right? Car accidents or, or you know, overdoses or uh, all kinds of stuff. Right. Just, like, so so say a police officer, what would be an example of a police officer that we could use? So, a simple one, a super simple one. Um, let's say if a, 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 a police officer is going to pull someone over for a speeding ticket. Five years ago, maybe they had an issue pulling someone over with a speeding ticket, and now it's always in their head. Now, every single time that they pull someone over, they're going to be traumatized because of what happened five or six years ago. <laughs> or 10 years ago, or whenever they first started. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. But they still have to do their job, right? They still have to go to work. They still So it's a matter of trying to figure out how they can um, resolve those issues that they're having. And to, because I mean, PTSD is quite high in the law enforcement community based on it. So say, for example, if you're getting pulled over in a vehicle, a guy comes out and you get in a fight with someone. Okay. Yeah. Everything gets resolved. Seven years later, you, you're you pulling over a, a car that looks the same. Now you get triggered. And now you're going through that uh, PTSD response. Your heart rate elevates, your blood pressure goes up. Nothing ever happens, but now you're at an elevated state for an extended period of time for, let's say, three hours. Now, if that happens every single day, your elevated state, your heart rate keeps going up every single day, up and down, up and down. The the rate of heart attacks starts going up for law enforcement. Your health deteriorates, your your mind deteriorates. And oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, for me, over 18 years, I didn't like I was fine. Like for 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 many years, no issue whatsoever. I mean, I, I compartmentalized a lot of my stuff from childhood and then from my 20s and getting to work. I was able to compartmentalize pretty right. decently. But then over like just 16 years, 17 years, and I just, it was enough. I just, the cup overflowed and I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't do that much anymore. Yeah. So I had to also take a step back to, to heal. Yeah. When you, with your cause, why do you choose? veterans specifically so um i'm choosing veterans and first responders because i'm both (laughs) i also um i have a deep connection with policing and with military because my family history so um now not in canadian um policing or canadian military but in the indian army and the british indian army um my my grandfather was a superintendent police in punjab Okay. My and that was my, until 1947, right? No, that he was after 1947. So he was okay. still a superintendent of police. His grandfather, he was he he retired in the 60s or something like that. Um, but my my great grandfather, he was in the British Indian Army. That was before 1947, and he was a second lieutenant. Wow. And then my great uncle, he retired as a uh, as a lieutenant colonel in the British Indian Army, which is back then it was quite substantial. Sure. And then, so I've also had an uncle, my dad's older brother, he was a colonel in the Indian Army. So I've had some history there. And um, I've always had a connection. I, I, as a kid, I was, I was pretty, like I was talking about earlier, I was kind of a, a shit rat, you know, I wasn't doing <laughs> things I should have been doing. My dad wasn't too happy with me. And uh, he, he was like, go do something with your life. So I joined the military. And I went to, I applied to RMC. It's the Royal Military College in Kingston, Ontario. 
Uh, it's where they train officers. And uh, I went there, but I still hadn't sorted out my mental health issues. And I was still drinking quite a bit at that time. So I did all my stuff, but then I ended up failing out of that school um, after about a year or two years. And then, and but, start, but that was the first connection with the military personally for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, the veterans, I think there was a, I watched a video of you and some veterans giving you some shout outs. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like, um, so last November, 2021, I, uh, while I was doing, like, listen, 2020, I was trying to figure out how to stay alive, like just to be happy. I was mm-hmm. just running and doing things, right? And I wasn't a runner. I just started running um, two years ago during the pandemic. So, I was, you know, I never really ran. And um, so during that time, I, I just started running and I started um, utilizing my skills, which is uh, like I, I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to certain things and I can really execute against once I get a task and I, I, I you know, I set a target. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I want to do something positive here. Let's run 100K. And I, I trained myself to run 100 kilometers on the 7th of November, 2021. And I ran from a town called Chilliwack to the yes, Vancouver Airport. Right? And I, I ran, uh, that was 100 kilometers. And I did that in under 15 hours. November 7th, I ran 100K. And I raised $21,000 for the BC Yukon Legion for PTSD program. So when that happened, that's when I decided I'm making a shift because I, I did something for other people. And I was like, you know what? I need to do more of this because this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And then this year I was, I was, and I was new to running. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to figure out this running game. So let me schedule myself eight ultra marathons for the year and then do them all and then, and then raise money. So that's what I did this year. So starting in March, I did an ultra marathon, March, April, May, June, and, and then, um, you know, pretty much every month. The last one probably you're talking about is where I ran from Abbotsford to Victoria, which was 130 kilometers. Uh, we did that with a bunch of law enforcement officers to commemorate uh, the 129 law enforcement officers that have passed away in the line of duty. And we ran 129 kilometers to represent that. And every kilometer we mentioned their name. Each day, this day was the first day we ran about that. So it was about a marathon a day for three days. So you you yeah. guys each sorry each kilometer you ran, uh, said their name. Yeah. So it was about twenty of us, fifteen, twenty of us. Yeah. We were. It wasn't supposed to be a race. It was just a way to kind of honor those that have passed. Sure. Yeah. Because. Um, and this is just in the BC me, and Yukon region. Okay. No. So in BC, um, well, actually, all across Canada, there's something called the BC. Well not the BC, but the law enforcement memorial, right? So all across the country on a certain day, they have memorials where officers have passed away all across the country and, and they just commemorate it. Mm-hmm. Toronto does something and Ottawa and everywhere does a different thing. Right. We did ours um, um, over three days. And then there's a big sort of parade in Victoria where all the law enforcement officers got together and, and there were marching and stuff. Yeah. But it was the running piece where we uh, ran from Abbotsford to Victoria. And, and we ran to, actually not Victoria, we went to the city, but we were running to the Bastion. And the Bastion is a, a monument that has everyone's name who's been killed in the line of duty. That's where we ran to. And we ran there and it was, man, that was a pretty emotional experience because we ended up running with um, 
we were telling stories and then the last 10 kilometers we ran with a gentleman whose wife was killed in the line of duty eight years ago so he wanted to join us for the last 10k and um yeah it was pretty awesome you know it's hard when you hear it you know uh in toronto or in calgary uh we had that uh, with uh, sergeant harnett and that was yeah. tough um line of duty but why do you think there's this perception of like people not wanting to back the blue or you know there's a thin blue line that people are mm. against and i think i don't get it well i i mean i can only suspect a couple things i mean i think social media and the media have some element to do that to do with that and then i also think individuals who are consuming it aren't thinking critically enough and they 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 consume what they see as gospel and as a right so most people don't try to vet the information that they're receiving and they just believe it i mean it, most look my dad's 80 and he's got a master's in electrical engineering yeah from a university in england and he believes things very, very easily so i mean it's i just think it's just people yeah. don't practice critical thinking on a regular basis perhaps right i mean <laughs> Yeah, uh, the whole defund the police thing doesn't make sense either. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I I will always back the blue. Yeah, there's um, friends of mine, like I said, and just more or less because I know the stories of the mental health and the the people too in yeah, uniform. We're all people. We're all just look. We're just doing a job, right? And we're just uh, want to be part of the community. Um, yeah, are we perfect? No. No. Are we doing our best? Yeah, we're doing the best with what we got. And if people understood with um, what we're doing our best with and how little we have to do that, I think people would give us a little bit of leeway too. Because mm -hmm. it's not like we're highly funded. It's not like we're, um, we have tons of people working the job. Like in, across every sort of law enforcement agency, everyone is lacking. Everyone on every level. And so that's, I think, and now this is me speculating over the next five or 10 years, I suspect that's going to get worse yeah. because more and more people won't want to go into law enforcement and more, and more and more people will see it as a risk and they don't see the benefit of service. Right. I want to be able to articulate the benefits of service. Serving the communities is, um, is paramount. It's absolutely important to serve the community, however you do it. For sure. However, Sachin, you, you, um, so you would work at the airport mm -hmm. and were you, okay. So were you the guy that if I would bring my take off my belt and. So I was the guy I, I was, uh, for the last four years, I was a canine handler. Yeah. So I was running with the dog and, and so the, um, CBSA. So I was working, um, immigration and customs. Okay. So, so I would, uh, I would work in the customs hall where people would travel and they would come back into the country and I would have the dog and I would just kind of do my searches and ask people questions and go from there. So that was, that's like, like the sort of um, baseline job function um, of a, of a border officer. But um, you know, there's other elements like any policing or law enforcement career, you can go into different sort of yes. parts of it. And I was more gravitated to like the interdiction of narcotics or organized crime or, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, proceeds of crime, currency, legislation, all that kind of stuff. And, and you probably uh, saw a lot of it out there. <laughs> Poor to yeah, well, I mean, it, so yeah, there was a lot to be seen, and um, a lot of experiences, a lot of interacting with various different groups, 
cultures, communities. So I got to understand people at a very different level, um, probably on a level that most people won't because, and, and the vast variety of types of people I've, because I was at the airport. So I've seen all kinds of people from all parts of the world, from all countries. And um, even through all that, similarities, yeah, interconnectivity. Do you think it's, um, we see too much and hear too much from our childhood till, to, till whenever, and that messes us up? Or, or is it when you know too much and then you can't process and understand life? Mm. I, again, so from my experience, and I, I can only speak to my experience, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Most of my issues were from childhood, um, and they got exasperated throughout life, right? You know, my parents were strict, uh, relatively strict Indo-Canadian parents, and, and um, you know, look, were they perfect? No, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. But they did the best with what they had, right? And um, my dad drank, and, you know, did he drink too much sometimes? Sure. Um, did he um, believe in corporal punishment? Well, most people from that area did back then. So, so yes, my brother and I did experience various different um, opportunities of receiving discipline. <laughs> and um, so, look, I mean, that's just one aspect. I've experienced other type of traumas outside of the household as well, um, um, both physical and sexual in nature. I've had that experience too, yeah. where um, where you know, for the most of my life, my self-worth, confidence, and self-esteem were in the dumps, and I pretended they weren't, right? So here's here's how I think. So the only way to know to do better is if you know how to do better. And to do that, you have to learn, and you have to read, and you have to educate, right? Mm-hmm. And my parents never did that as it related to kids because their egos too were too big, and they said, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do it because no one understands this is how it's been done forever and, and whatever. Right. So for me, I wanted, I have a daughter and she's five and um, I've had conversations with my dad because, you know, it's been somewhat um, difficult over the last couple of years because I've also expressed my feelings towards my parents because um, I wanted them to also understand where I was coming from and mm-hmm. we can kind of resolve things moving forward. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 I mess- mentioned to my dad one time, uh, I was kind of irritated with him and he was like, why you, why you hate us? Why are you so angry? I go, look, uh, are you sure you want me to answer that question? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. So I, I was trying to explain to him very quickly what, what he did was not appropriate. So I have a five-year-old. I said, if I got my daughter right now and I give her a smack in the face, would you like it? And he was like, he couldn't say anything, right? And if I hit her real hard and yelled at her, would that be okay? And he, he, again, ashamed, he, he knew where I was going with that. And I go, that's why I'm not too happy with certain things. I love you. And I love everything that we've, you know, you're my family, you're my father, I love you. But we have to acknowledge when things haven't gone right. And if things haven't gone right, just acknowledge it. And then we can move forward. But if you can't acknowledge something, you can't improve it. And you can't work towards a better position. So I, I made that comment. My dad was like, Okay, it clicked in his head very quickly and the conversation was mm-hmm. over. I don't hit my daughter. I don't even, I have conversations with my daughter. And I don't, because I, look, I'm a big guy. <laughs> if I raise my voice, you'll get scared. How, how tall are you? I, well, I'm not that big. <laughs> I'm 5'10. That's yeah. still big and you're built. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm 5'10, about 180 pounds right now, and wow. maybe around 5 or 6% body fat. 
Are you going to be the the brown David Goggins or what? Well, so here's the thing, brother. It's getting kind of funny. You're like the 10th person that have, has actually said that to me. That's so I don't funny. Know, man, I feel for me, man, like if I, if I could follow a little bit in that footsteps, then cool. Uh, I'm not anywhere near on the level of an individual like that based on his experiences and being the Navy SEALs. But having said that, I know I can get after it. And I know I can execute against a massive goal. Mm. And I know with the people I have around me and what's in my head, when it's done, everyone in this country will be affected by it. Everyone. Mm -hmm. And it'll be a failure in my eyes if that doesn't happen. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure what I'm trying to do is going to affect millions of people and raise a lot of money. And mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing is geared towards that. YouTube channel is going to be geared towards that. So when that starts really over the next five or six years, start really developing. Right. Have you started be... posting stuff? You got to start because it's, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Now. I've got about 10 videos up there slowly. Nice. I've been kind of posting, right? And um, that'll probably start ramping up even faster now because we're filming a documentary now, right? Mm -hmm. And the documentary is tracking the journey of me running across Canada and the, the, cool. the, the, the documentary that's being filmed the production company also will be assisting with the YouTube channel yeah. so we can start really pumping it out. And, and look in, in five or six years, I want a million subscribers on that YouTube oh, yeah. channel because we need to share the story. And once we start generating enough money on there, then I can funnel that into the charity as well. Mm -hmm. I don't need a lot of money. Yeah. I'm good with 50, 60 grand a year. Right. Yeah. So just keep moving, keep moving, help as many people as possible, share the, the message. Um, yeah, man, that's that's the entire direction I'm trying to go in over the next 20, 30 years. So if you're not going to, or if you're doing a career shift here, how are yeah. you going to be able to eat and pay your bills? So um, this, for the last year and a bit, I've been working from home. Yeah. Um, and I've been <clears throat> working really hard to in, uh, ensure that I have the foundation set. So this year was foundational year. Next year will be the year where I springboard off to get some sponsors in terms of um, paying for things. So I've, mm. I've I signed a contract last May with Magnum Supplements. I saw. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a very large supplement. Well, it's a large Canadian supplement company. They service forty different countries. They're based here in the Vancouver area. Um, very big company, and um, Marcus, the CEO of the company, was. Uh, heard about me and he uh, I reached out to him and we had a meeting together last year and our our connection isn't really like a hey, can I get supplements it's a strategic partnership for the next three four five years where he's supporting me at each level yeah through mentorship and through the connections that he has through his company and then um, obviously with what I bring to the table I have to also bring um, positive sort of um, media attention to him because that's how I feel. He's an awesome guy. He's the first person that really believed in my vision and said, I'm all in, let's go. Nice. So, yeah. So once, you know, that starts happening, I'll probably renegotiate the contract, start getting some decent payment from that. And then again, um, slowly keep moving in the direction of reaching out to getting the sponsors. And if I get, you know, let's say $80,000 worth of sponsors, then I'm good, man. Like I'm, You're I'm, good. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. And the reality is Rome wasn't built in a day. 
I keep moving forward, I keep doing the exact same things that I'm doing, it's inevitable that it's going to turn out the outcome will be amazing for not only for myself, but everyone around me and then the extension of that. When you you're running in one of your videos, and I see this beautiful sweater with the poppy on it. Yeah. Where is that from? That was so cool, by the way. I loved it. Oh, the Run to Remember shirts. I had, so get this, man. So I made those shirts um, when I was training to run across, uh, to run that 100 kilometers from Chilliwack to, um, to Vancouver Airport. And there's a good story behind that, actually. And I'm glad you asked me that. That's, thank you for asking. I made those shirts. Look, I'm not a wealthy person, as you can imagine. I'm leaving, you know, I'm transitioning out of the workplace and doing a career change. So I have to be very frugal with my money and be very careful. Sure. But uh, having said that, a really good friend of mine last year was going through some pretty serious medical issues and still kind of going through them. And um, I didn't have any money to support, like, you know, help him out with some of the fees. So he's a, an amazing leader. And he's been, uh, he was a retired RCMP member of 18, 19 years. Uh, he was uh, a team leader on ERT, which is the emergency response team, uh, the SWAT team of the lower mainland. So he was quite experienced individual, massive leader, all the things. And um, I made these shirts so that I can give him the money to help him out with his, um, some of the, the, and it wasn't a ton of money, but it was whatever I could give. And I wanted to be able to show support. And so that's why I made those shirts for a veteran. He's a veteran and he's also a first responder. He was dealing with some issues and I wanted to help out the best way I could. Made some shirts and then gave him some money to help out. Damn, I, lo I love that shirt. Thanks, man. I, I was like, I gotta get it. it. I, was, I was looking for it. I was like, where is it online? I was you like, know, it's, all sold, it's all sold out. Maybe I'll make some more. You, the, the, and the saying, the quote on the back of it uh, yeah. by Heraclitus is a phenomenal, um, it's a, a phenomenal quote. Um, I don't remember it off my off the top of my head, but it's it's repeated in various different um, leadership books. It was you know it's it's in a book by Jody Middick, who's a Canadian sniper with a double amputee. He he he's quoted that saying, and then also David Goggins in his uh, book "Can't Hurt Me," he quoted that uh, that phrase. Um, do you have it ready? I, or I, I'd like to be able to read. Let me read it. I was trying to find it. Yeah, sorry. Stand by. Let me grab it. I got these shirts. I got a couple shirts left. Maybe I'll send you one, man. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, send, uh, send me, uh, when we're done here, send me your address. I'll mail you. Yeah? Back. Oh, yeah. thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> let me know and I'll, I'll buy it from you. I'd love to buy it. No worries, buddy. So it's, um, it says, out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. Nine are the real fighters. And we are lucky to have them, where they make the battle. But ah, the one is a warrior. And he'll bring the others back. Wow! Let's see. Hold it up. Let's see yeah. the. Let's show it. So, so that's this is the. Um, you know, that's the. It's like a shield with a poppy in it. It says "Run to Remember." Um, the year was uh, 2021, so that was last year when I ran it. And then on the back is the writing of uh, the quote. And yeah, I saw that, and you know, I think that that quote kind of inspires me to be a better person every single day to to be oh, someone yeah. that I can help other people. Um, when you start seeing that, you don't want to go back to that darkness because we know what it was like. The other thing is anything that disturbs our peace now, we will literally push you away. thousand percent. So it, you and I are on the same page, bro. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, man, I learned very quickly through my friend, Sean, that yeah. um, without purpose, your life is meaningless. Yes. Right? 
And whatever your purpose is, whatever it is, just try to find what that is. So fortunate for me, I I found a Sean Taylor. He kind of helped me strip away the white noise to understand what I'm really capable of and who I actually am. Mm -hmm. He's an amazing person for sure. He's a, also a, a, he became, after he retired from the military, he became a 24 hour um, mountain, solo mountain bike racer uh, champion. Wow. Yeah. So he started, so he, he also became an endurance athlete in his 40s. And he, he started becoming, he started riding uh, mountain bikes and then he started doing 24 hour solos. And through that, he became a world champion. Then over 15 years, he trained other world champions. And then it, it, he's just the exceptional, high functioning tier one operator. Like, and he keeps as, passing as it on, right, to people. Now you're, it's your duty to take it to the next so, baton. Listen, so what he said to him, he was helping me a lot. And I was like, listen, man, I'm a brown kid. Why are you, like, who, like, mm-hmm. why do you give a shit? And he would say, um, because um, you matter, number one. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, he was like, um, look, I'm, I'm, inv- and I was feeling kind of guilty. I was like, you're investing all this time and energy into me. And like, you, you, like he was spending a ton of time with me, calling me mm-hmm. and, and, and you're spending a lot of this effort. And I was like, Hey man, like you're spending all this time and effort and energy. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm not going to give you an invoice though. I'm just, you just have work to do now. Ooh, I love that. So now I have work to do. So he basically, that's essentially exactly what you said. Like pay it forward. Right. That's what, <laughs> that's why we're here. And, and the piece where you're talking about chasing money, look, I was there too. I had a Beamer, I had the house, yeah. I, had the whole, I had the whole thing. But now I'm like, wait a second. And the, and the payments with it. <laughs> yes, right? So now I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm happy right now. Yeah. And I don't have any of that. I have maybe $30 in my bank account. And I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Now, I'm not um, 1,000% happy, but I'm happy on the process. And the oh, 100%. Yeah, and well, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I'm doing what I'm doing now because I can do this forever. And but, if I can make a little bit, I'm good. But bro, you know what it was? It was, we were also from trauma and uh, you needed to prove something to somebody. Yeah. Right? Dad, yeah. look at what I'm doing. Yeah. Look, yeah. you know, look at your yeah. son. Yeah. Well, that, a nice I mean, car. Happy, man. I, I, I was always trying to do that. And um, I was doing it with the wrong things because yeah. I'm meant to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. But our family doesn't, uh, or historically, our, our cultures don't gravitate. No, that, so. no, I agree, man. Honestly, bro, I really appreciate. Um, Thank the time. you, bro. Yeah, that was fun. I honestly appreciate it, man. Yeah. And anytime you want to give me a shit, man, I, I'll just, I'm cool to talk to you whenever, anyway. Thank you, bro. Yeah. yeah. Keep me posted through your journey and you're like, hey, Zach, I'm in this town. Let's just chat. I'd love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll be coming to Calgary. Um, like next year, I'll be traveling a lot more. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll come to Calgary for sure. Perfect. We'll get together and we'll go grab dinner and stuff. Absolutely, brother. All right, man. Take it easy.